Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 115, where in a moment, we're reviewing the autumn budget statement and asking what it means for you. That's in a moment, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Pensions, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week we were chatting food for thought. How to eat well, spend less. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and joining me as always, this star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, before we get into this proper, Phil, are you absolutely sure you want to do it? The last time we did anything like this in the show... <laughs> review a government financial statement. The information was becoming redundant as we were recording it, and the people at the top of that government became redundant about 20 minutes afterwards. So are you absolutely sure this stuff is here for the longer term this time? I know, I certainly hope so. I, I, all the podcasts we've done, that one off the, the last <laughs> kind of mini-state, uh, the mini-budget, that was yeah. episode 107, a lot of the podcasts are still relevant for the various things we've we've spoke about, but episode one hundred and seven, we can almost just delete that one. I think you're right; everything <laughs> changed almost straight away. But hope, As hopefully, we were yeah, I know. Hope, hopefully, things will be a bit more stable for for a wee while now. Though we we hope. Uh, all joking aside, I mean, what prompted the quickening of the end for Quasi Quarteng and Liz Truss was the way the financial markets responded and reacted to their proposed direction of travel. And they've not thrown their toys out the pram this time. So I imagine that's fairly indicative. They think this chancellor is pursuing more effective policy, which I suppose should give him confidence. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like when when Liz Truss's kind of government came in, when she got voted in, it was on the basis that she said, right, we're going to do tax cuts. And so I was always a bit surprised that people were surprised that that was done. But then again, I suppose it was maybe just the scale of the, the tax cuts. But Jeremy Hunt, this time when he's delivered the autumn statement, I mean, what, what he's looking to do is set out his plans to, to increase taxes and reduce spending. And he's looking, it's an effort to, to narrow the gap between the government's income and outgoings. And I suppose one of the things I always say when it comes to financial planning, my, my first kind of rule is almost like spend less than you earn. And I suppose that applies to, to governments as well. But th there's a big concern at the moment, which is inflation. That That's the main thing. And to try and reduce inflation, the Bank of England, they've been increasing interest rates. And the other way that you can try and reduce inflation is to increase taxes. So mm. uh, certainly with this budget, that's, that's what they've been looking to try and do. Okay, so where where do we start then, Phil? I mean, the fact there was official recognition that we're in recession, I suppose, no real surprise, but what does it actually mean in terms of everyday living? Yeah, I think what we're going to find for, for the next while is that just with, with everything going on, people are going to find things a lot more difficult, especially in the shorter term, with had interest rates going up. 
as you say, the country's in, in recession now, according to the, the statistics, and people have seen their bills rising so much for, for quite a while now. I actually listened to one of our podcasts for over a year ago, and it's funny, at that point, we were still speaking about inflation being high, and I mean, there's some things <laughs> changed since then, but it is, it's a tough time for many just now, and I, I guess when you're paying more tax and you've got less disposable income to spend, that's kind of what's happening for, for a lot of people just now. And the changes that Jeremy Hunt and the government are making, they believe will bring inflation down. So although there are cuts in spending and hikes in taxes, the theory is because inflation should come down, it should make it quite so tough? Yeah, they're, they're kind of... Like the, the the inflation target rate is is two percent at the minute we're we're over ten percent mm. so they're miles off off that but that, that's it they they want it to be usually pretty stable and steady and it had been that for for quite a long time but like I say what what the Bank of England have been doing they've been raising interest rates and that's one of the kind of measures that they they can do to try and help curb inflation and then like I say the the government if they were to tax more, that's usually something that will take it down. So hopefully next year we, we will start to, to see that coming down. I guess only time will tell and you never know what other factors that might come up. I mean, like you've got things, they, they often blame things like the, the war in Ukraine, but th- there's other factors probably to it as well. But hopefully we'll, we'll start to see inflation come down in the next year. Okay, will we begin with all the tax changes then? Income tax first. How how does that alter? What what does it mean for us in simple terms? Yeah, we income tax at the the budget. The the first thing that he did was extended the freeze on the personal allowance and also the freeze on the the higher rate threshold, um, and that's until April twenty twenty eight. Now, what what that means for people is that the amount that you can earn that's tax free your personal allowance, that stays the same. Now, again, let's say inflation was at 10%, so you're, I, I don't know, if your wages go up, it means, again, that you're actually paying a wee bit more tax because they've not put these allowances up. So that that's one of the, the sort of changes. One of the big ones for that affects quite a lot of people is they've reduced the threshold at what you pay 45% tax. That was one of the things that Quasi Quartang was actually going to do away with, was the, the very top rate, the 45 percent rate. So they, they've reduced that to 125,140 is the, the figure there. So that's came down quite a bit. And like here we have it just kind of eight weeks after the announcement that the top rate was going to be abolished. They reckon that by doing this, he's going to pull about 250,000 more people into the top by like the, the 45% rate yeah. of tax. Now what, what that means to people is that it's going to cost them on average, people in that bracket, it's going to cost them an average of £620 a year in extra tax, according to HMRC um, or HM Treasury figures. At the moment, there's 629,000 people already in the higher rate bracket, and it means that they'll pay just under £1,250 more in tax. Now, one one thing I would say when it comes to, to kind of changes with, with income tax is that for, for Scotland, that's one of the things that's devolved. So for Scottish taxpayers, it's announced on the 15th of December, I think is the date for the the kind of Scottish budget. So well, it'll be later on in the month before people in Scotland will know exactly what changes will apply to them. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, the last time national insurance was talked about, it was going up under Boris, and then that was reversed by Liz Truss. What's what's happening to it now? 
Yeah, well, the, the main national insurance and also inheritance tax thresholds, they've been frozen. So that's until April 2028. So that, that was something that's that's been frozen there as well. Okay, and for capital gains tax? Capital gains tax was quite a, a big change there. At the moment, you're allowed to make... It's 12,300 is the, the current tax year, what you, you're allowed to make, but that more than half, so it's going down to 6,000 from April next year. And then it's going to reduce by half again in April 2024, down to 3,000. So what, what that pretty much means for people, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, let's say you were to make a, a capital gain of 20,000 pounds in the, the next tax year, it means you're facing a, a capital gains tax bill of 2,800, but rising to 3,400 the, the following year. So it's quite a big increase, whereas at the minute, the gain on that would be 1,540. So that, that's quite a big area. But one of the, the kind of ways that people can sort of mitigate capital gains taxes, things like investing in ISAs, make the most of your, your CGT exemption each tax year, and also use losses to reduce your gains as well. So that, that's areas that financial advisors can, can help people with in regards to the, the capital gains tax changes. Okay, next, uh, there was chat about pensions a few weeks ago that they may break their triple lock on pensions and not increase them with inflation. But I heard some clever analysts at the time who suggested the idea of them not increasing it was floated so they'd look better when they didn't break their commitment, that they never had any intention of doing that. And that seems to be what's happened, broadly speaking, isn't it? Yeah, you've got what's called the, the triple lock. So you'll often hear that spoken about in the, the news. And what happens there is that the state pension is supposed to increase each year in line with the highest of inflation. And they, they go by what's called the, the Consumer Prices Index. That's the reading in, in September. So that it's either the higher of that, the average increase in wages across the UK, or 2.5%. So this year, the, the triple lock is based on the inflation figure. So with inflation being quite high. The figure that they've used is 10.1%. So after months of uncertainty, the Chancellor's confirmed that the state pension would go up by 10.1% to match inflation. So what that kind of basically means is that the new state pension, it's currently worth £185.15 a week. That's due to go up to £203.85. The basic state pension if you've reached state pension age before April 2016, it's currently £141.85 a week, and that'll go up to £156.20. Again, you, you can top up, those on low incomes can often be topped up with what's called pension credit, and that's also due to go up by the 10.1% the as well. One thing that is likely to come in the future, the state pension age, I mean, they, they're looking at increasing for people over the next 25 years. And one of the things that the government's going to look at doing is carrying out a review to see if the state pension age is still going to remain the same. I would think it's very likely that in the future, pension ages will, will probably rise, but that's something that's all kind of under review at the minute as well. So a few changes when it comes to, to pensions there as well. Remind me what the ages are just now, Phil, because it's, is it 68 and 65 or something like that just it now? It depends. Yeah, it depends on, on your age. So I'm 46. My pension age at the moment is currently 67. I I would suspect that may rise. I mean, I've got still 20-odd years until I get the, the state pension. Mm. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was pushed back another year or two. It all depends on 
your, your age, but for, for most people, it'll tend to vary between 66 going up to, to 68. So, for example, my 18-year-old son at the minute, his pension age would be 68. But again, I, I would suspect it's probably likely that, that that'll go up come oh, time. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll be working into their hundreds by the time he gets towards pensionable <laughs> age. Is it the same? You, you mentioned the 10.1% rise for pensions. Is it the same with benefits, Phil? A lot, lot of benefits are changing. So one thing that, that's been announced to, to help people with rising interest rates from spring next year, homeowners that are on universal credit, they'll be able to apply for support for mortgage interest loans after three months, whereas at the minute you've got to wait nine months. So that's a, a slight change kind of there. That also applies for, for people who are working as well. The government, they're going to cap rent increases for people in social housing, and that's going to be capped at 7%. Rents were due to rise by up to 10% before this was announced. So that's another kind of benefit change there. It's important to remember, though, that if, if you're struggling to pay your rent, you should always contact your local council or, or landlord and, and look to try and see what additional supports are available. So that's something I, I would stress as well. But, but one of the big changes, you've got what's called the, the benefit cap. That's also got to rise by 10.1%. And that increase is from April 2023. So at the moment, the cap, so it'll go up from 20,000 to 22,020. And that's for families nationally. It differs in Greater London, though. The figure for them was 23,000 and the cap will go up to 25,323. If, if it's a single person, the benefit cap there will go up from 13,400 up to 14,753 nationally. And again, in Greater London, the figure is 15,410 up to 16,967. So an increase of 10.1% in, in the means tested benefits there. And the, the minimum wage has gone up as well, hasn't it? It has, yeah. The UK minimum wage... For people over 23, that's increased from £9.50 an hour up to £10.42 an hour. And again, that'll take um, effect from April next year. Now, this is one that, that's relevant right the way across the UK. What about the energy crisis, Phil? How is that addressed? Yeah, we've got a, a plug for the a previous show. We did one just recently with, mm. with Jeff Woodger about kind of cutting your, your costs in a crisis. And he spoke about ways he can try and help with, with like get your energy costs down. But focusing on the, the budget here, the, the energy price guarantee per unit, that'll be maintained through the, the winter. So... In effect, that's limiting typical energy bills to £2,500 per year. From April next year, that rises to £3,000 per year for a typical household, and that's due to end in March 2024. The government, they also plan to double the £200 the level of support for households that use alternative fuels. So if you're using heat and oil, liquefied petroleum gas, coal, biomass, there's that as well. The, the Chancellor also announced that there, there's going to be targeted cost of living support measures for people on low incomes. So if you're on a low income disability benefits and, and pensions, in the next tax year, an additional cost of living payment of £900 is going to be provided to households that are on these mean-tested benefits, £300 to pensioner households. So that's kind of the changes when it comes to, to energy now, one of the things that always scunners me on this is when they talk about certain headlines afterwards, like they're UK-wide, and yet when you pick it apart, there's a lot of it that's covered by, by devolution. I think this is one of them. What happened with social care? 
Yeah, with, with social care, the, the lifetime cap on social care in England, it was due in October next year. That's been delayed by two years. So so that's a not a change down south, but it is that there's such a it's a bit of a minefield the, the social care. And like you say, it's devolved in the, the different nations in the UK. Again, when it comes to Scotland, that's something I don't know if there's if any changes or, or anything will come up in the Scottish budget when it comes up, but um, down south in England, the social care, the lifetime cap that was due to be introduced, that's been delayed by by two years. Okay, now in travel, electric cars finally got pulled up as well, didn't they? Yeah, vehicle excise duty, it'll soon it'll be chargeable on electric cars, vans, and motorcycles from April twenty twenty five was the the date for that one. Okay, uh, anything else of note that caught your eye, Phil? That you thought, oh yeah. Got to talk about that. Yeah, I suppose from a like a financial planning point of view, probably the things, the change to stamp duty land tax thresholds for, for England and Northern Ireland. So that was announced on the 23rd of September this year. That's going to remain in place until the 31st of March 2025. So it was a slight kind of change there. The nil rate threshold, it's currently £250,000 for all purchasers and £425,000 for first-time buyers. If you live in England, another kind of change as well is that you are likely to be paying more council tax next year. The government's giving councils a bit more flexibility to make sort of general increases. So the, the general increase can be up to 3%, but they are allowed to add an extra 2% to fund social care costs. So that could push council tax bills up to, to 5% higher next year. So I think a lot of people down south are, are going to see their council tax bills rise come April as well. And what does it all mean for financial products? I mean, is there anything that we should be doing as a result, or is it just a case of battening down the hatches and trying to hang in to get through to the other side? Yeah, I would say like from a like from a financial planning point of view, what I always encourage people to do is make use of your allowances so if you're speaking to a financial advisor, they'll they'll kind of say, look, if you pay into a pension, you get tax relief on that. Use up things like ICE allowances, capital gains tax allowances. It's trying to find the ways to pay less tax, but through legitimate kind of ways of, of doing that. So tax avoidance is, is something that's legal, but tax evasion isn't. But um, financial planners, they can try and help you look at all these allowances that you get. And the other thing that I would say just now for people is make sure but any existing plans you've got are all fit for purpose as well. If you've got a mortgage, keep reviewing that. If, if you've got investments, keep reviewing those. I'm always a great believer that people should look and sit with their financial advisor at least annually and, and just kind of go over these things. Again, that's where they can keep you posted of all these sort of changes and what, how it impacts you personally as well. Let's do this bit now. It's Phil's quote of the week. It's the part of the show where Phil delights us with a quote on the relevant subject topic for the show because he's always loved and benefited from an inspirational quote throughout his life. So this week, Phil, the autumn budget, what have you got in that? Yeah, a quote from someone called William Feather. A budget tells us what we can't afford but it does keep us from buying it. <laughs> um, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. I heard your show the other week when you were looking at investing in whiskey. It's not a traditional one. So I wonder, having spoken to someone in the sector, what you think about it now? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good podcast. I enjoyed that one. It's great for me because I, I found out about a subject that I didn't know an awful lot 
about. Mm. I know for me personally, I like to invest in things that I do know a bit about. I, I would certainly consider like doing a small amount into something like that. You've got to remember that things like whiskey casks, if you are investing in that, you're not protected by things like the financial services compensation scheme. And I suppose with, with any investment, it's like, like I've mentioned on previous shows, financial advisors will go through what's called your attitude to risk and capacity for loss. So it's like, are you happy with the risks that whatever investment you're doing is suitable for you? But also, can you afford to lose the money? So that, that's kind of the thing. I suppose some people would view that as, as kind of higher risk. Again, I suppose it's the, the bigger the potential, the returns on something, the higher the risks often tend to be. But I would certainly, for, for me personally, I, I would consider maybe like a couple of thousand pounds into to some of buy into something like that and it, it all depends your interests as well I mean, some people are, are really interested in, in that sort of thing so I, I've got clients that have got individual bottles of whiskey as opposed to the, the casks mm. but um, no I, I would certainly consider it for myself but then I suppose I've got probably a higher tolerance to, to risk and again if I was putting money into that, it would be money that I could afford to lose as well. I thought you were going to say I've got a higher tolerance for whiskey. I was going to say that's not, some, <laughs> not something I've got. Next up, here's one about ices, and this time it's from Karen in Bishop Briggs in Glasgow. She says, hi, Phil. I was wondering if the autumn statement means anything good or bad for ices directly or indirectly, as I've had plans to invest for a while. I just wanted to check it's still okay. Yeah, I'm not actually sure if I mentioned about the ISA allowances during the, the podcast there, but at the moment, you're allowed to pay up to £20,000 into a, an ISA, and that allowance has stayed the same in the next tax year as well. And in junior ISAs, the ones for kids, the allowance for that is 9000 and that's stayed the same as well. So there hasn't been much change to the ISAs at all there. Okay. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've uh, covered a fair few topics so far and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 115 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And as I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. And that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.